Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Merry Christmas Eve Eve. Yes, it's the 23rd of December. It's Saturday. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Did you? Uh, you're getting your last minute shopping in? Yep. If December 24th is Christmas Eve, what is December 26th? Christmas Adam. Oh. Yep. Yikes. Yep. You're welcome, dads out there. I the Eve Eve more. Yep. Eve Eve. Yeah. That one makes more sense to me. I mean, sure it does. Yeah. But uh, hey, we missed a birthday yesterday. Somewhat important. She's going to be so mad. She sent us a text. She, she tweeted at us or uh, X'd at us. It was really impressive actually for her development. Yeah. I mean, she was mad. Yeah. Happy birthday, Cammy. Cam Cam. One years old. I don't even know if she likes me. I look at her, she starts getting all like, uh, you know, one of those things. Yeah. She starts fussing. But I, I like you, Cammy. so she, I don't care. She's in my community group, so we've got this bond. Mm, um, I don't know. She says things about you when, does you're, she? Not, when you're not there. Does she text things? She says and, things. <sighs> Fine. No, she's got this thing where she'll reach out for something, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, she wants that, and you'll offer it to her, and she immediately is like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> Get that out of my face. Yeah. Get so, that corn out of my face. That's awesome. She's super fickle already, which is great. <laughs> Happy birthday, Cammy. Which is great. Happy birthday, Cammy. We love you and your family. We do. We're thankful for you guys. So please let us know as you heard this, okay? Yep. Tell yeah, us. Let us know. Yeah. How many years? Uh, one. One years. One years. Yeah, One's that's weird. Years. We say that, but that's not, that's not it. One year old. Yeah, she's one one years, one year one years old, right? But one's it's not. year old, one, not one's. one year olds. Nope, one's years old. This is why people tune in right here. I, I feel where like that else are you going to get this hard hitting? <laughs> these hot analysis. takes, <laughs> cultural hot takes. You can go to Moeller or you can come to us. You decide. You decide. <laughs> where else are you going to hear somebody say Felice Cuplianos to a, a one year old? Not 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 Doctor Moeller's podcast. One years old. One's years olds. That's not it. I feel like that's the best option. One. She's one, period. Years old. No, no, no. That's like when you were like, Jose. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jose. Uh, uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, was it? Let's do it again. Hey, let's Habakkuk. do Habakkuk. How do you say it? I ha- guess you, you just said it here. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Uh, yeah. Ha- ha- Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Yeah, I've heard it. Habakkuk. 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 Habakkuk is i think that's probably more because that isn't that how hebrew works it, it emphasizes the last syllable Habakkuk. unless there's a reason to not do that right so i think i think that's the right pronunciation sure people care about this stuff man yeah my favorite small prophet though God minor goodness. prophet yeah I, I i don't know if he's my favorite but I, I really really enjoy this book yeah i like him because i see <laughs> in a bad way Probably I see a lot of myself in Habakkuk oh. in his brashness. And I, I love that God humbles him and I'm reminded that God humbles me. How so do you often, feel about Jonah? So. Jonah? I feel like you connect with Jonah. I don't, I don't resonate with Jonah. Mm. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I don't know. I was asking. You, see, you said you listen, resonate. You listen, connect with him. Just because I got mad because the houseplant died in my office the other day <laughs> doesn't mean that Jonah and I are the same thing. What about Song of Solomon? How do you feel about that one? Uh, we'll do that one next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Habakkuk is uh, is just a unique book because uh, the prophets, I think the other thing I like about Habakkuk is he's looking around the world that he lives in saying, God, how long are you going to not do something? And I, I think we can all resonate with that. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the briefing a couple of times with Moeller and go, man, this world is messed up. Or look at any news headline and go, wow, this world is messed up. 
Um, I mean, we've got wars going on. We've got disease, sickness. It's just, and the evil and the wickedness that's taking place uh, all over the world. In fact, something that just happened recently, I don't know if you all are keeping up on that, but the Pope uh, announcing that the Catholic Church was going to bless same-sex unions so long as they did not have the language of a marriage ceremony, whatever that means, right? That's not a slippery slope at all. No, not at all. It's a solid position to have. Super clear, solid position. Insert, this is a sarcastic comment here. Yeah, so I think we can all resonate with where Habakkuk is. He's frustrated, and he makes this comment in verse 4, the law is paralyzed, and justice does not go forth. It never goes forth. And he's saying, Lord, when are you going to act? And God answers. And God answers and says, hey, buckle up, buddy, because I'm about to do something that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told, but I'm going to tell you anyways. I'm bringing the Chaldeans. I'm bringing the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who sweep forth and take things not their own. And he gives this long description of how evil and wicked and, and ferocious the Babylonians are. And he says, they're the ones that I'm bringing. And Habakkuk says, whoa, 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 time out. You can't do that. You can't use somebody more wicked than we are to judge your people. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking that you would do something, uh, but not that God. And then he very boldly and brashly in chapter two says, so I'm going to stand here and wait to see what you have to say, God, now that I've put you in your place. And then the Lord comes back and answers and says, listen, write it down. The, the judgment will come. It may seem like it's in the distance, but it will come. In other words, he's reminding Habakkuk the prophet, hey, justice will be done. Justice is going to be brought to Babylon as well. Just because I'm using them to judge Israel does not mean that I'm condoning what they do. And it also does not mean that they will get away. Judgment will be brought to them as well. And then in chapter three, the prophet rehearses in his mind all of God's faithfulness to his people, getting the message finally, understanding the flow, rehearses the, the kindness of God during the Exodus and, and all of the different ways that he has provided for his people. And uh, he's got that great statement in the midst of wrath, remember mercy as he's praying for God. He's, he's not resigned in a, a fatalistic sense, but he's resigned to trusting God in chapter three, which is a good position to be in. And that's how the book ends with that statement that God is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers and makes me tread on high places. So one interesting verse that he, he, he utters, and people have used this one quite a bit here. Chapter one, verse 13, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk says something to God. Um, he asserts a quality to God and says, God, you're, you're too holy. You're too good to look at evil. So why do you? <laughs> Which tells us something. God does look at evil. God does see wickedness. God does put up with it. He tolerates it. Obviously, God's not condoning any of it, just like he doesn't condone the Babylonians or the Chaldeans. But God does see evil every day. He can't not see it. The idea here that I think Habakkuk's trying to wrestle with is, God, if you're good, why do you allow evil? And so it's, it's the theodicy that all of us wrestle with every day in some measure. All of us at some point in our Christian lives will kind of, I don't know, I guess there's not a better word, wrestle with God and say, God, why did you allow this? If you know I need this, God, why do you allow that? Or why didn't you protect my family? I, I give. Why are my finances in shambles right now? I'm faithful to give to you every time or this and that. I mean, there's a million things that we can bring to God and say, God, why? And that's what Habakkuk is wrestling with. And this is the point I, I want to bring to you. First, God does see evil. He does. And re rest assured, God will deal with it. That's the whole point that he's, he's giving Habakkuk the information here. I'm going to tell you what, what's going to happen, Habakkuk. I'm going to deal with it. No one's getting away with anything. But he does it in his time, which gives us that sense of uh, a posture of patient waiting. Secondly, I'm going to encourage you to do what he tells Habakkuk to do is trust him. Trust him. Has he not been faithful? Will God not do just? Will God not do right? That's being the case, then we need to be we need to be careful when we get on our high horses and start charging God with evil. Habakkuk gets away with it. Not really, because he gets spanked. 
but he gets away with it. You and I ought to be very cautious and careful when we start accusing God of being unjust, not faithful, not good. No, give him time. God will work all things out according to his glory to your good. And be encouraged as well that when it seems as though he may not be doing something, he is doing something. And that's a comfort for us right now. And as the world continues to spin out of control, God is in control. It's only out of control from our perspective, not from his perspective. Can I just add one more thing to that? Yeah. Yeah. And it might be beyond your life. Your life could be the conduit to bless something else God is doing. You may not see the end of the, of the play that God is running when he has you as the running back run through the middle of the defense only to get obliterated by the other side. You don't see several plays later than the fourth quarter where God scores 15 touchdowns through the, you know, on the winning team. You're dead, but you've been benched. You're gone. You're on a different team now. God's still winning the game. Right. And that's the thing. You have to look beyond the time frame of your life. And that's essentially what he has to have Habakkuk do. Look, dude, this isn't about you. Get off your high horse. Trust that I got a plan that's far bigger than you even realize. Yes. Yes. High horse. Use that phrase twice. I did because I was thinking of Paul. Yeah? No, not really. I at one point knew the name of the highest horse that was ever because I used it in a sermon illustration to talk about a high horse. What's his name? Well, I don't remember it now. Well, okay. Can you just Google it real quick? Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Okay. I mean, the the, the tallest horse in the world is the Shire, uh, but he measures 20 hands. Why do we measure horses by hands? Because it's easy. It's like one, two, three. It's like the horse people were like, okay, Americans, you want to change to, from the metric to the imperial system? Fine. We're going to measure by hands. We're going to really mess you up. Yeah. Anyways. I saw the Clydesdales at the Texas State Fair. Those guys are Those massive. are massive. Yeah. We saw those, those too. beasts. That's crazy. 3,000, 4,000. I, I don't know how, how heavy the heaviest one was. He was, he, was hit. he was huge. Yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. And those aren't even the biggest animals in the world. No, no. But they're the, the biggest horse I've ever seen. That's for sure. Yeah. Can and you imagine too. seeing a dinosaur in person? Not a, no, I would not. No. I would not want to see a dinosaur in person. I wonder if there will be in the new new, <laughs> new earth. I sure hope not. Well, they won't eat people then. I don't know. I just feel like they're going to create traffic problems. And, you know, if they're, but you'll if be they're able doing to, their business all over the place. You'll be able to fly. Uh, maybe. I, yeah, well, that's a separate conversation. Is there a, is there a digestive is there, is there business things happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a couple in our church who love talking about this. Really? Yes. They've, in fact, on okay, their now first you need date, to out them. On their first date, I can tell you with with a confidence here. Uh, on their first date, they walked around the RSM Lake, and they talked about. I, think I know who this is. Actually. You know exactly who this is. Yep. They talked about what happens in heaven with our digestion, or if our bodies are perfected to the point where everything is utilized perfectly. Does that make sense? Yes. So, is, is waste inherently sinful, in other words? Well, yeah. Or a sign of the fallenness of our humanity. Right. So I, they, they and they're, they're both fairly tall, dark yep. hair. Yep. One has curly hair. One is musical. Musical, yes. Yep. And one maybe is a lawyer oh, and okay. wears glasses. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's see if anyone on this podcast can deduce who we're talking about. And there's a connection to our church admin in uh in moniker <laughs> yeah so that's as far as we can go that's about as far as we without can go. calling out their names specifically right well, but i think that's a, that's a fair question i think it's a fair it's a fair thought and i am of the opinion that there probably wouldn't be because i think your bodies would be maximally efficient you would yeah. eat you would eat enough yeah because they're still eating in, in heaven right yeah eating and drinking so you would eat enough you would drink enough and your body would utilize every part of it so that there's no inherent waste right yeah. Are we going to have to go to the gym in heaven? You know, I so here's here's a weird thought. I think 
the enjoyment of physical activity would be there. So it's not like you would you go to the gym, to. but you would go mountain biking and climbing and things like that because you would naturally want to use the body that God gave you, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Because right now, anytime I go for a run or anything, I just I, I dislike Adam a little bit more than I did the day before. You grit your teeth and you just run. Yeah, like I have to do this because he ate the, the run stupid so far away. fruit. Couldn't yeah. get away. Well, hey, let's, let's finish the podcast. <laughs> People are like, Revelation 14, you're not done yet. <laughs> All right, Revelation 14. The 144,000, you remember back in chapter seven, we first encountered the 144,000. There was 12,000 from every tribe. And that's how we come up with this number, 144,000. And they are with Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus has them. And they're gonna be with him. And this is what's interesting because it says uh, that in verse four, it's they who follow the lamb wherever he goes, who have been redeemed from mankind as a first fruit, first fruits for God and the lamb. So some believe that this is God pulling these 144,000 out of the tribulation, perhaps early as a, either through martyrdom or something else, but they are with Jesus because it says they're following the lamb wherever the lamb goes. Well, the lamb's not on earth during the tribulation period. And so are these saints that have come out of the tribulation period who are with the Lord, and their first fruits of the rest of them that he's going to redeem during the tribulation time. Possible. Possible. Sounds sounds fair. Yeah. But they're there. And then in the rest of the chapter, we get these messages from these angels in uh, verses 6 through 13. These three angels come forth, one with the eternal gospel. Well, what is the eternal gospel? It's given there in verse 7. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea of the springs of water. I think the eternal good news there, because that's what the word gospel means, is that we will fear and worship the Lord for all of eternity. Um, And it's the declaration that he is going to win again, that he is the one that is in control because verse eight, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Now this is not the same Babylon that we've been talking about in the old Testament. This is the new Babylon. This is the, the, uh, the representation of all of the evil and wickedness of the world's system represented in the nation Babylon. The moniker given to it is Babylon here, and they are going to, uh, be judged here along with all of the nations that they have corrupted. And then we get this description of what will follow in the third uh, angel's announcement, which is the description of eternal damnation. And I don't know if Pastor Rod, if we've talked about it on the podcast, whether or not e- hell is eternal or not, or torment, but I think this is one passage as we're reading. I, I, I walked away, I think, more convinced in the eternality of it because of this passage, because it's it's those that are, are represented here, and they are, in verse 11, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, these worshipers of the beast. Uh, if we go back there, he will be tormented with fire and sulfur, and that torment goes up forever and ever. And so I think there's good reason here in this passage, though unpleasant as it is for us to think about, to consider that I do think the eternal judgment of the, the lost is just that. I think it is eternal rather than something that is annihilationism, where they would at some point have their suffering end. Yeah, that's fair. This this text seems pretty clear. Um, yeah, there's di- yeah there's different approaches to that, but yeah. I, I I agree with you in this particular instance in this in this text. I think it's pretty clear that those who are being killed, those who are being justly condemned, are those whom God says, "Look, you 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 failed. You took the mark of the beast. That is, you you chose an allegiance, which makes sense here. You're you're not choosing God. You're choosing the the devil and all of his." his minions. And so I think that's why the stakes are so high here. In verse 12, he says, look, here's a call for the endurance of the saints. The threat of death and the threat of the lives of those whom you love, I'm sure will be on the line here. I'd hate to be a Christian or any believer whatsoever in the tribulational time frame, but just think about that. 
If people want to get to us, you just say, hey, I'm going to take out your family. I'm going to do something evil to your family. That's how they keep North Koreans in check. Yeah. If you leave, we're going to do bad things to your family. Well, man, that's going to keep me in place. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to suffer with you. So I look at something like this, and I, and I think of the, I shudder a little bit at verse 12. Hey, stay faithful. If you're going to die, just die. Do it faithfully. Yeah. Better to die and live with Christ forever in glory and in goodness rather than to compromise, not die, but to suffer the ultimate death and lose ultimately everything. Yeah, yeah. Verse 14 introduces Christ coming on the white cloud. This is Daniel 7 imagery here again with the golden crown and the sharp sickle in his hand, and and he's called to execute judgment. And what came to mind is uh, the Lord is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God where he says no one knows the day or hour except for the Father, and the the, the judgment is now being commenced. God is instructing the the Father is giving the the Son permission to commence with the, the ultimate judgment. And it culminates even down in verse 20 with the uh, the final battle of Armageddon when the wine press is trodden outside the city and blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle. So about four feet tall there and 1,600 stadia would be about 184 miles. Uh, this is absolute carnage in the battle of Armageddon here. Literal? I think it's literal. Is that possible? I mean, oh well, yeah. It's possible with God, but I, I read that thing. Okay, this, is, this has to be hyperbolic. That Yes, carnage upon carnage upon yeah. carnage. But how would you pull up blood four feet high over the over 180 miles? Some have said. Some of commentators have said that the valleys, the 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 troughs, the things like that, where they're in that region, could sustain that, could sustain that much flow, that much carnage, that much blood, where it would be. So it's not as though it's it's across the whole uh, realm, because yeah, liquid seeks out the lowest point, right? right. So it's naturally going to just disperse, and we're not inside of a tub here. But there are valleys, there are troughs, there are areas here that could measure up to that and, and fulfill that. So it's not a wooden literal interpretation you're saying, but you're saying that it's possible that in par- parts of the land, there would be four feet high of, of blood. Right. Yeah. I right. think there's a reason for it somewhere because I, I think otherwise we fall into the same trap of going, okay, well then why don't we make a metaphor out of all of the other numbers that we find in the book of Revelation? Because these are really specific, right? Sure. It's not myriads. It's, it's hey, 1600 stadia. Um, yeah. So... Fair. Yeah, either way, Fair point. absolute carnage is going to be uh, wrought during this time period, and we don't want to be there. And so the most important thing that you can do right now is make sure that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you do, you won't be. So that's the uh, the good news of the gospel. Yeah, get that good news to your neighbors too. Amen. Including uh, perhaps by inviting them to, to church this Sunday for Christmas Eve. That's right. Yep. We'll be there. Yep. We'll see you guys tomorrow at church for Christmas Eve. That's right. We'll see you then. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeah.